Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of being here with Antonio Lucio, who is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for HP. Antonio, hello and welcome. Nice to be here with you, Nadine. Welcome to HP. Well, thank you. What a gorgeous building and what a fantastic tour. I mean, I cannot believe how much work you've put into this building. It just looks gorgeous. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's great to be in a place where, um, where our founders live. So having the offices of Bill and Dave here uh, together with our very modern uh, customer center is a source of inspiration. It's also the symbol of the company that it is anchored in, in history, but it's inspired by the, the trends of the new opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've just been amazed walking around and, and seeing the history come together with today's real life. You know, that somebody in the corner practicing on VR equipment, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, posters from 1944. It's amazing how it blended together so beautifully. So well done. Thank you. You're welcome. So we are here today to talk about CMO and CMO moves. And you, my friend, have made a lot of really cool moves, uh, both at Visa, now at HP. And in fact, you know, I, I'd like to just start with how you see the role of the CMO. I know you've been very vocal about what you think the responsibilities are. And I, my hat's off to you because you've, you've really hit on some very important points. So with that, I'll turn it to you. Well, the, the, the role of the CMO um, has been and will always be to build brands that stand the test of time. And, and we build the brands that stand the test of time because I believe, we believe that building unique, memorable, and relevant, and importantly, differentiated brands are the key to building businesses that stand the test of time. And, and the responsibility of the marketer is to ensure that those brands are anchored, are anchored in purpose that they play a, a really meaningful role in people's lives, that they're built on strong emotional connections, that they behave with integrity, and importantly, that they're always reinventing themselves to deliver, uh, to deliver that purpose. Um, uh, that, to me, has, has not changed. Uh, sometimes the crafts 
forgets about it, but that has not changed. What has changed is, is the ways in which we are actually building the brands that will stand the test of time and all the tools that we have available to connect with our customers and consumers. So absolutely, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And when you talk about all the different hats that you wear, you mentioned one that's really near and dear to my heart, which is really a chief people officer. I'd love for you to go in a little bit deeper on how you, you define that and, and how you've been able to be that for HP. So um, the role, um, contrary to what uh, some of the analysts say, um, the role for people like myself or, or people like uh, Keith Weed or, or, or Raja in, in MasterCard or, or, or Kristen Lemkow in Chase has, has actually gone wider. We are responsible for insights, analytics. We're responsible for media. We're responsible for the corporate communication agenda. In other words, what is our corporate brand and its relationship to the, the, to the consumer and the customer brand. We are responsible for product marketing. We are responsible for brand. We are responsible for the actual implementation of, of all field activities around the world. So the, the, the role has gotten wider. The expectations from the CEO as it becomes to the, to the CMO has, has also grown. Uh, we, we are supposed to be the voice of the customer. That has had always been the case, but now the customer has more voices, more channels. Making sure that all that data is translated into meaningful insights is, um, is important. The CEO and the rest of the senior management team are expecting us to help them navigate through the digital environment, uh, to build the partnerships with companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and so on and so forth. Uh, competitors are everywhere. Uh, as well, big and small, and everybody has their megaphone called social media. So the level of responsibility has grown and the level of expectations has also grown. So it's it's really impossible for any CMO to actually be able to lead from the front in all those particular areas. So in, in a way, my role has become more of a CEO of the marketing function that's why I always speak about being a business person first and a marketing artisan second, because I am um, a leading strategy. And, and when it comes to people, the number one responsibility is ensuring that I am able to build an ecosystem internally and externally that deliver against those needs, against the insights needs, the media needs, against the communications needs, against the product marketing needs, and so on and so forth. So, I spend a lot of time in hiring, retaining, and developing talent questions. I spend a lot of time thinking through what are the capabilities that we want to own relative to the capabilities that we're going to partner relative to the capabilities that we want to buy in order to deliver against the um, this wider uh, uh, scope. Yeah. So you just touched upon so many things that I, I can't wait to go deeper with you on. Uh, let's start with what you were talking about regarding the CEO expectations. And I remember when we were putting together your case study, you said, Dadeen, it's very important that you balance the short and the long-term. And to do that, you really have to earn the trust and the credibility with not only the CEO, but your entire C-suite. So you came into HP and were responsible for building this brand that could stand the test of time. How did you start this process and, and develop those relationships and earn that trust so that you could build that brand? So um, again, 
business person first, which meant in, in very practical terms that during the first months of my tenure, I spent a lot of time with the business leaders as opposed to spending time with the marketing function. And, and in fact, if, if I had to make a choice between a business meeting and an internally uh, driven marketing meeting, I will gravitate to the business meeting. So I spend a lot of time traveling with the CEO. I spend a lot of time with all the business leaders around HP to understand from them what, are, what were the fundamental business issues first and also the areas in which marketing could add more, more value. After um, we were able to craft uh, a marketing agenda as to the areas that we were going to focus on short-term and long-term, then I decided to go into the function and, and to build a function that was going to actually have the capabilities to deliver against that business agenda. And this is a principle that I, I've, con- I've continued. I mean, now we're almost three years into, the, into our journey, Nadine. And let me give you a very specific example. We just had our annual marketing review with the CEO and the senior management team. It's, it's one time a year where we basically review everything that we've done, results, and so on and so forth. In a two-hour meeting, we did not show one, one piece of communication. Uh-huh. It was all about the numbers. These were the revenue targets. This was the marketing contribution. This was the return on investment. This was the very specific account-based marketing initiatives that we were able to do. And it was a business conversation. And by the way, a highly engaged business conversation where we had active participation of the CEO, the CFO, mm-hmm. as well as some of the uh, business unit uh, and, and, and regional leaders. And at the end of that presentation, um, Two things happen. One, uh, the CFO said we should be spending more money in marketing. And number two, I really understand how this equation works. Um, in fact, they were so pleased with that that we actually took it to the board of directors. And once again, with the board of directors, it was a numbers first type of presentation. And, and what's interesting is that when you're moving away from the consumer good world into the tech world, mm-hmm. um, that's critically important. You have to show the value of the marketing function to drive the top line growth because it's not inherently obvious in the business as it is in the consumer goods world where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, Raja. It's, it's funny. I've done now five or six recordings and um, in every one, Raja's name comes up. And it's because Raja is very much aligned with you that financial acumen and credibility is of key importance today. And, and we spent a lot of time, all of us together, when we did the ANA CMO Talent Challenge playbook, trying to define that upfront around aligning those leadership teams. You know, in Raj's case, he built uh, a relationship, like you said, with his CFO and, and created a marketing finance jointly managed team, which is a, is a pretty cool way to do that. In, in your case, you know, you have so much information at your hands, including things that are even harder to measure, like emotion. And you were sharing how you've really done a lot using data and new analytics to take all of the emotional components and translate it to that growth, translate it to how it's delivering the financial results. That's a very difficult thing for most people to do. Can you share how you do it? Again, it all starts, um, first, I'm a big, big fan of Raja as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I competed against Raja, and, and it was a fun 
time Visa versus uh, Mastercard because the moment that he got in, we 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 both got better in our job. So I I have nothing but the utmost respect for him. As it pertains to emotion, when I speak about emotion, I don't mean emotion for emotion's sake. I mean rationally anchored emotion. And rationally anchored emotion comes out of a, a very deep understanding of your customer, a very deep understanding of your product, and then a very, very deep understanding of where the two converge or merge mm-hmm. into a very nice uh, and differentiated uh, proposition. So in our particular case, that was the first step. Number one, as we moved in uh, to HP, we made the the millennial target the center of our communication. The reason for that is that sixty um, percent of our revenue is driven by what we call IT decision makers. Um, they're all millennials, mm-hmm. uh, so getting a thorough understanding of of what they're about, the things that uh, motivate them, and and importantly. The play that the the role that technology plays in their life. So that's sort of um, big scale insight. Then, as we are developing some of this work, we are testing it, and we are we're testing it using Brain User. And Brain User will tell you very specifically when you're hitting the right notes emotionally and rationally. And we use that data to actually edit the films to ensure that they are delivering against what we are trying to deliver, emotion as well as reason. And then after that, then we do a a very thorough return on investment analysis where we're able to clearly point out the correlation between this was a high scoring emotional connection ad and this is the type of return that we were able to achieve. That's, That's how you do it and that's how the business functions actually become much more comfortable by saying, actually, yeah, we should allow Antonio, Vic, and Alex, uh, and Karen, who are my my leads, to actually do more heart-related stuff. Let's say that's your short-term measure. Then at the end of the road, you're also measuring, okay, we, we did all this. How are the overall brand KPIs reacting to it? Our overall brand perception in terms of awareness, consideration, um, uh, preference, and even net promoter score. And you, it's math. You can do straight line correlations on all it and be able to prove the value of your work, which is more critical than ever in today's uh, marketing environment. Yeah. Well, obviously you figured out the secret formula if your CFO says, hey, let's put more money into marketing. <laughs> I think that's every marketer's dream, right? <laughs> that's, what we're, that's, that's what we're aiming for. And by the way, the, 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 the chairman of the board uh, said the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I remember when you shared with me a framework that you had put together, it's very cool. And uh, for anybody who's listening and wants to see it, they can find it in the playbook. And it was, and I want to say it correctly, it's E equals I squared D-E-A. Right. So tell me about that. Well, that was my way of rallying the the organization towards, um, towards a new mission. The E of the idea formula is emotional connection. And the way you drive that is with the first I, which is insight. Mm-hmm. The second I is innovation. The D is digital connection because we're today we're spending 73% of our global media dollars in digital. Uh, the E is for experiences because um, uh, the purchase of the products that we sell, uh, which are more pre-planned that require information at different, different moments during the journey, require a thorough understanding of the totality of that experience and our ability to create delightful 
uh, connections throughout that particular journey. And then the A, which is a very important A of accountability, which is everything that we're going to do, uh, we're going to measure and we're going to prove. And that was the, the way in which we uh, in which we rallied the organization resources towards it. And frankly, over the last two and a half years, we've built the model. What is the right model for insights? What is the right model for innovation? How do we approach the digital environment now with a lot more focus on mobile? How do we um, understand the journey and create comprehensive experiences in, a, in an omni-channel world? And then the last is, um, is what are we measuring and how do we demonstrate value? Yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing. You know, when, when we were first putting together your case study, I'll use singular form for right now, we couldn't figure out what we were going to talk about because there were so many things that you've been doing here. I couldn't, I couldn't pick. So we did two case studies. And the second one was all about what you had said in the first one, which is brand experience actually starts on the inside. And this is all the work you've been doing to help your teams really feel like they are operating in a very innovative, productive, inclusive environment. And one of your big initiatives was around DNI, but that's not the only thing. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how you really tapped into the employees around the world to understand how they wanted to be thinking about HP and the mark that they've made on the world. So again, this is something that you've become a beacon and an apostle of, which is uh, making your your employees brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So um, we fundamentally believe that that is critical. We had a unique opportunity, which was uh, we were launching a new company. And the first people that needed to understand who we were, what our brand was all about, and what our purpose was, was our employee, 55,000 we have now all over the world. So everything that we did when we launched the, the new mission and vision and even the brand platform was internally driven first. So employees participated in, uh, in surveys that were critical in the development of those statements. Employees participated in the validation. Employees saw the work first. As we've evolved in it, we've created an open to all employees, our brand, our brand central where anybody around the world, whether you're in sales or in finance or in HR, you can come and see what our brand is all about. What is on brand? What is off brand? Everything from, from our positioning statement all the way down to how to use the logos. Uh, and, and then we've built narratives as to uh, what does the HP Corporation stand for and what does the HP brand stands for? And we've shared that broadly with all of our employees around the world and and, and allow them to participate in conversations. Uh, just the, the latest example, both Christmas films that we released were shared with our employees first. All the work that we did in DNI and, and the Reinvent Mindset campaign were shared with our employees first. Uh, in many cases, it was our, our business network that actually helped inspire some of the insights of the Reinvent Mindset campaign. So we believe that getting internal alignment, but more than alignment in, in truly making each and every one of our employees brand ambassadors is a fundamental responsibility of the brand and one that we frankly share with the HR function. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the name of the show is CMO Moves and it's that way for a reason, you know, where at the end of the day, you know, we all have choices and we can make some moves and sometimes it breaks some rules and sometimes it ruffles some feathers and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just the right thing to do. And I think it was almost a year and 
maybe a quarter ago that you were so committed and invested professionally and personally in DNI that you asked your ecosystem of partners to really join with you in this mission to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be included. I think that's just amazing. And I, I really appreciated the one year celebration that you had a couple months ago because you've made some serious progress as a result of making that move. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, um, I'm glad that you're asking me because I applaud Bob Liodice's, uh stand just yesterday on diversity and inclusion and the work that the ANA is doing, actually led by, by Mark Richard uh, and, and, and his executive team, where Linda Boff is there and Kristin Lemkow and, and people like, uh, that I admire very much, like Diego Scotti and Raja. It's time that we move into a different level. And I believe that it all starts with accountability and transparency. I mean, we cannot speak on both sides of our mouths, meaning the, the marketing discipline has become more scientific than ever before. We are scientists, or let's say we're Renaissance men. I'm just reading uh, Leonardo da Vinci's biography by Isaacson. And the, the fact that we, we have an artistic side, but we are anchored in science, and science begins with data. And we cannot continue to talk about diversity and inclusion without data. So it's time, really, it's time that the industry, clients, agencies, production houses, release the scorecards. It's mm. simple. I mean, it doesn't have to be very sophisticated. It's, it's you know, percent of women, percent of women in, in managerial uh, uh, roles, percent of women in senior roles, and the same for 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 people of color. It's as simple as that. And when I say that, and I'm very passionate about it, that that, that is precisely what we did. Um, we started with ourselves. I mean, we can't. You cannot begin to preach without changing yourself first. And we were very well represented on our total population, on women and people of color. We were well represented at the managerial level. We were not well represented at the most senior levels, and we had to change that. And we took two months, and and we changed that. And then we invited our agencies, and um, uh, again, it all starts with a scorecard. Mm-hmm. And it starts with a scorecard. It starts with senior management commitments. So the conversations were with the CEOs, not with anybody else. And you have to monitor performance. So every quarter, we will monitor performance. I met with each one of them individually. Diego Scotti actually did it better than I did. Diego <laughs> met with all of them together. But follow the same sort of approach, which is what gets measured gets done. And what gets published actually becomes your bond. So it's not just measure. You have to publish it. And I think that it's time to do this as an industry. So I'm, I'm delighted that Bob and the ANA are going to undertake this. I will be there helping with our, with our knowledge and our case because it, it made a difference. Today, uh, 60% of the people that worked in our account are women. When we started, it was 40. At the leadership level, we started with zeros, mm-hmm. with big agencies like BBDO and big agencies like Fred and Farid. And we ended up over 50% of the senior leadership in the agencies, including creative, are now, are now female. So this thing works. We just need to do it a better job now. And that's our commitment for 2018 with people of color. We did not move the needle as much as I thought that we were going to do. Um, we did make progress, but we need to go uh, farther. But it's time. It's time for bold action. It's time to show the numbers. Ah, I could not agree with you more. Uh, yesterday, I interviewed Nick Promola, who's the Senior Vice President of CMO Initiatives for the ANA. 
about 20 minutes before they left for their big Christmas party. And uh, we had a really good chat about this. And I think you and all the wonderful people that you named, uh, many who are going to be guests on the show, so I'm very excited about that, are, I'm so pleased to see everybody taking a stand. And, and as you know, Antonio, I'm also Chief Transformation Officer of the Female Quotient, yeah. and we couldn't be more proud to be part of that mission with the ANA as well. So we're cool. all in this together. Gender equality number five, right? And with that, you know, it's it's not just about the numbers, I think, because you know, my passion is really culture and giving everyone an opportunity to not just have a seat at the table, but have a voice. And that's a very different leadership skill to build and flex as you are providing an environment for people to really have that voice and, and ensuring that the rest of the team is listening. You know, how do you think about that? And you obviously are a natural gifted leader, but you learned along the way how to do that. Um, did you have an inspiration? Were there tips or tricks that you, you know, or training that you went to? How did you develop those skills to be able to shepherd that environment? You know, I, I was uh, maybe I was truly blessed, meaning I, I began and grow my career in the international business. Mm -hmm. So when you are growing in the international business, the teams by definition are diverse. So the whole notion of people from different races and geographies with different accents was natural for me. I, I did not grow up in homogeneous environments. The, the one area of opportunity looking back at those years is we didn't have enough women at the time. And mm -hmm. that, is, that is a fact. And that I've, I've made a commitment to change over time. But it, when you grow up in this environment, it becomes second nature. You don't, you no longer, mm -hmm. uh, you no longer hear the the accents any, anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, the the dynamic in some of the more domestic organizations or on some of the more U.S. centric uh, divisions in the companies that I work with was very different in that mm -hmm. sense. So I am very grateful that that I grew up and developed my career. Where, where I did, because it becomes easier than when you're not. Um, mm -hmm. When you're not, when you do not grow up in diverse environment, to, to the point that I sometimes question whether being as different as I was, here, here I am, Latin with a very thick accent, <laughs> whether I would have been able to progress my career as far as I did if I had not done it in the international division. Uh, hopefully that will no longer be the case, <laughs> because I think things are more open, but I owe this view and this philosophy to the experiences that I had. Yeah, absolutely. And I know our good friend, Jonathan Middenhall, would totally agree. That was such a great conversation with you too. And and I think your point is really well taken. I mean, I, I, I believe that everyone needs to experience something new. And we were talking about that through the course of this week, different tips about CMOs or CMOs in training to really go out and try a different industry or try a different role or do a stint in finance. But equally important is go to a different country, you know, as you're saying, and and really bringing together the collective cultures of the world to have that representation for your brand because it only makes you better. And so coming back to growth, you know, a lot of people now finally recognize that having diverse teams does drive growth. Are you seeing the result of all these initiatives that you're doing around diversity and inclusion that's driving growth? So I would like to build a more direct correlation case. Mm -hmm. and, and in due time, we will. But I will tell you that everything that we've done, all the transformations and, and all that, today, this company is growing the top line growth on both categories that were challenged two and a half years ago, whether it was the printing category 
or the personal system category. We've grown share on both categories at a significant level. All, all the brand regard scores are at our all-time all highs. All our net promoter scores, both from the consumer, but more importantly for our clients, are at an, at an all-time high. All the work, the marketing work that we delivered this year with very diverse teams and with paying attention to who was the director of what film and who were the creative people of that films have actually scored higher than any of the work that we've delivered before. I cannot sit down with you and say as a business person that I can prove a correlation of one or close to one, but I'm pretty sure that by next year, we would be in a position to begin to establish a more direct numerical correlation. But directionally, unequivocally, the business case for diversity is being proven with our work in 2017. Well, hats off again to you. You know, we have only a few minutes left and I want to get personal for a moment. You put out a film, a short film called Dads and Daughters. And I saw it and you made me cry because I thought of my dad and what he would say if he were one of those fathers listening to their daughters and what he would say if I was telling them that story or one of those stories. And you have five daughters. Mm -hmm. Where did your inspiration come to put together that campaign? So the campaign did not come from my daughters. The, the campaign, the inspiration came from the people at HP, actually. The need to have more women in our workforce. Although we're adequately represented in the marketing function, we're adequately represented in the HR function, and even legal, there are areas like engineering where we need more women. And that was the inspiration. It was a business motivation. The, the insight as to how to deliver that story came from a lot of the conversations that we had with our BIM networks, our women networks, and actually one that was very interesting with one of my daughters, which she just shared with me uh, some of the commentary that was happening in the internet as to the tips that women get for the interview process. And I was reflecting with our team here about it in terms of how different it is. Mm -hmm. As a man, I I would have never... Uh, been given tips as to you know uh, how to look and this and that and red lipstick or not red lipstick or whatever it may be and and the team felt that that was um, a very interesting insight and then uh, the people from Fred and Farid that is uh, probably one of the most diverse agencies that we have today uh, and and a great director came up with with a father and daughter uh, script uh, that you've seen so that was the motivation and. I think it worked. It created all sorts of interesting conversations, but more importantly, more resumes from female candidates to our HR department, which is what we were in. Well, and it was such a, it was so powerful because it was truly connected at the human level to so many people in different roles and everyone could relate to that piece of work. So thank you for that. Who inspired you on your journey? Oh, I've been blessed, uh, Nadine, in terms of, uh, Different people have inspired me at different stages of my career. I've been uh, very fortunate to have had great mentors around the world at different moments. Some that have stayed with me for many years. Some that came in at a moment in time where I needed to learn something very specific. So I I believe that some of those mentors have been incredibly influential in my life from my very first boss at Procter & Gamble. So to the... uh, 
the privilege of working with people like Steve Reinemann and Indra Nui and Mike White when I was in uh, in PepsiCo to the the incredible opportunity to meet Lord Philip Gould, who was Tony Blair's right hand man, and uh, and he became a, a beacon in my transformation as a human being and as a leader. To the people that work for me today, that inspire me and and teach me the the new skills of our labor. So I I I, I could not mention one because I've had so many, many inspirations across the journey. I will tell you that the person that I, I admire the most is my brother. My mm. brother Ramon is um, five years younger than I am. He was the um, salutatorian of the high school class in Puerto Rico, but he's schizophrenic. Mm. And, and he's been in a home now for many, many years, and he's obsessed with um, voices and thoughts. Yes, yet he gets up in the morning fights the battle every day and goes on with his life as much as he can. And when I see him, what he goes through every day, I, and I see the the amazing life that I've been given the opportunity to live, he is the number one source of motivation. Wow. That's so touching. I'm sorry to hear that he is having these types of challenges in his life. And lucky- like we, all, we, we all have challenges everybody uh, particularly when we're, we're talking about this craft we don't we don't share a lot of our personal life but every person every family goes through this i'm not special we all have them of different mm-hmm. sizes of different fortunes and, and sharing some of the stories i think it's good it's good for business and it's good for the soul it sure is so my very last question for you if you were not the cmo of hp you could do anything in the world what would you do that would be a i would be a teacher for sure. I would be a teacher and I would love to have the opportunity to write as well. But if you're talking about the fantasy world, I would have loved to be Ricky Martin. <laughs> I'd be a Latin heartthrob. <laughs> well, you are the Ricky Martin of marketing. So, <laughs> Although Kristen uh, Limka has some sort of a CMO dance-off idea, I'm actually intimidated because if you put Jonathan Mindenhall... <laughs> Kristen and Mr. Stephen Wolf Pereira in the same dance floor. I I I, I just conceive. <laughs> oh, I want to go to that party. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, Antonio, thank you so so much for being with me today, and I really appreciate you and everything you do. Uh, you're an inspiration to so many people. So thank you for continuing to lead the way. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and you know, I think we're living a renaissance in the marketing function. Everything that people read is the, the short tenure of the CMO. And we are the type of people that are leading marketing organizations around the world are truly gifted marketers, human beings. They're driving brands with purpose. There are people of purpose, whether you're talking Mark Richard at PNG, Keith Weed at, at Unilever, people like Kristen at, at, at Chase, people like Leslie at Twitter and Linda at GE, some of the younger CMOs like like Steven Wolf Pereira, Raja at MasterCard. I mean, this is an amazing group of human beings. I mean, uh, thank you for telling me that I inspire. They inspire me every day because these are people that are incredibly capable at, at what they do. They're great leaders, but more importantly, they're great human beings. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that as the story of, of this new generation comes in, this is going to be the, the the most important moment for for the function, and I I am 
convinced that three years down the road, we are not going to have the articles about marketing losing uh, cloud anymore because this 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 group of CMOs is probably one of the best that I've ever seen and I've been around for a very long time. So I agree 100%. So again, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 